Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I'm joined with Justin McRoberts, who is an author, musician, and retreat leader, so stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondick, and thank you for tuning in today. I'm glad that you're joining another episode, if you're a longtime listener, or your first episode. I'm super excited for this conversation today with Justin McRoberts. It was an absolute joy speaking with him, um, and really just in the, the thrill and the excitement of the release of his latest book, May it be so, 40 days with the Lord's Prayer. Um, but we talk about a whole lot in this conversation. We start with um, just a bit more about who he is, what he's doing as a retreat leader and as a pastor and a musician. Uh, and then we we shift into his latest book, um, which is kind of like a second edition almost, with, but definitely different uh, from the first book that he did with Scott last year. And he centers this book around the Lord's Prayer um, and works through the Lord's Prayer uh, in in very small steps throughout the book. Um, and it just is really fascinating to see, see how people can come from just a very diverse array of religious or faith backgrounds um, and are able to enter in to to this practice uh, i just really love the the purposeful engagement um that that justin is looking to to get with um with people um and just the the amazing stories that have come uh from some feedback that that he's received so i'm really excited for this conversation with justin mcroberts and hope that you enjoy Justin, thanks so much for joining me and the Guys Like Us podcast. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. I'm super excited to to dive in and hear a bit more about your story and uh, and dig into some of the recent work that you're doing. Um, Great. So I know that you're kind of hot on your heels right now with a with a, a book release, um, which I want to get to in a minute. Um, but as a, first, I, I want to touch on some kind of other aspects of your life and kind of introduce introduce who you are to uh, to our sure. listeners, so we can. Uh, kind of have a bit more of a fuller scope. Can you can you share a bit more about your your background as a retreat leader and as a musician and kind of yeah. how these giftings and passions really uh, started to take shape in your life? Sure. So um, I'll try to kind of work backwards instead of work from the back to the front. I'll, Perfect. Uh, so I I do um, I'll do several retreats a year for church staff or college students or young adults or kind of whoever, uh, I'll kind of run the range from a group of gap year kids uh, in Pennsylvania to um, admin staff at a, uh, a camp um, in Santa Cruz. Uh, and that concentrated time uh, with a group of people to spend two, three, sometimes four days uh, with a group of folks who are living and working together is like, that is my favorite thing is uh, I, I like communicating. I like storytelling. I like teaching mm. to do all that stuff, to be in conversation with folks 
uh, in the retreat setting uh, is one of my favorite things to do. So I do that, uh, and that comes from having talked a lot. Uh, so uh, I, I was and still do quite a bit of just regular teaching and speaking. So I'll teach in my home church uh, somewhat regularly. It's called Shelter Vineyard uh, in Concord, California. Uh, it's a church I actually planted uh, with a friend of mine back in 1998. Mm. Uh, and that's been a pretty significant part of my life since then. Um, and in 98, when I planted the church, right around the same time between between like 98 and 99, there's like this nine month stretch in there over like the, the you know, sort of overlap of those two years when I just, I shifted into like full blown overachiever mode mm-hmm. and I, pl- I planted a church, I started a music career and I got married, wow. <laughs> which was like, that's a lot to yeah. start uh, <laughs> in, a, in a stretch of time. Let's do all of those things now. What should, how, which of these things do you like to do? The answer was yes. So, uh, so I got, we got, you know, started traveling would be home for church stuff and, uh, our church life, uh, really is the, the, the foundational, um, it's it's, it's like, it's the soil from which everything else in my life springs. Mm -hmm. So like when I was traveling as a song, you know, song writer, communicator person, the songs I was writing, I wasn't just writing just to kind of connect with an audience. There was it was stuff I was doing uh, as a way to process my life and work as a pastor in a home mm. church, uh, in, in a like in a you know home church community, and mm. um, this the, you know the, the speaking and teaching stuff I would do when I was gone is usually stuff that was again born out of what we had practiced there in Concord retreat model similarly, and we're a mm. deeply um, formationally oriented church that uh, it's practice oriented. So we, we really de-emphasized the performance orientation of things. And like, we don't have, you know, lights and we've got minimal sound, all that kind of stuff. It's more like how, you know, how do we get people to be with people? Uh, which hmm. that's a lot of what I do is I just like, I find places to connect with folks where they're at and move them towards formational practices, whether that's, you know, in kind of, you know, retreat settings or I do a little bit of coaching now with artists and pastors. Uh, the books came from that same place. It was like a way to send people away with like, here's some of the stuff you probably heard during this time, take this and put it in the backpack and remember where we were. Mm-hmm. So that's a really quick clumsy kind of overview of what I do and the, you know, a lot of the stuff I'm mm-hmm. up to. No, thank you so much. I think that was very, very clear and uh, makes sense to me and the, the, kind of your, your role as a connector and, um, meeting people uh, to engage them in spiritual practices and uh, just kind of walk and, and help shape and form them um, is especially obviously in, in your latest book, um, which is going to be your second book, uh, at least with working with Scott, May It Be So, 40 Days right. of the Lord's Prayer. Um, can you, uh, so know that obviously this is kind of a connector book and uh, mm-hmm. would kind of dig more into this, but can you, uh, can you, Share a bit more what you're you're hoping for readers to take away uh, with this yeah. book. So, um, yeah, it's called "May It Be So: Forty Days in the Lord's Prayer." It's a follow up to uh, kind of sec- I, I would call it the second installment, although that comes with the promise that there will be lots more, and I don't know for <laughs> sure. I would hope and figure. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, it's a follow up to yeah. a book called "Prayer: Forty Days of Practice." Right. So, um, it'll actually be my fourth book over. Overall, mm-hmm. two books with uh, did, I've done two with Scott that we've done with um, 
with Waterbrook Multnomah, who've mm-hmm. been great. Um, and the so again, born out of practice. So the first mm-hmm. the first prayer books is probably the best way to get into it. The first prayer book I spent mm, like three years or so um, during the season of Lent, uh, making part of my Lent practice creating prayer language for folks who don't like church. And, and like, that sounds like, well, yeah, of course we all do that. <laughs> like, but as a pastor, I'm really clear on who those people are. <laughs> yeah. Like, so we, you know, we were pretty serious and continue to be pretty serious about our Lent practice over the course of like the, the whole life of our church. Yeah. And, um, we tend to, I don't know if you're familiar with the Mike Breen's Mike Breen life shapes thing, but, you know, believe that the, the life of Jesus looks a little bit like a triangle, that he had an up orientation, his relationship with the Father, he had an in orientation, the people that he practiced his life with, and then he had an out orientation, the giving away of his life. Hmm. It's just simple formula that kind of keeps like, okay, how do I balance, not balance, how do I how do I actually check how I'm living? Hmm. And so my, okay. my Lent practice, fasting and prayer, connecting with the Spirit of Jesus, practicing that with other people like gathering somewhat regularly adding maybe a gathering or two throughout the course of Lent but like what did it, what did it look like beyond like maybe taking the money I would otherwise spend on like you know beer and whiskey and coffee and you know redirecting that to you know to developing communities what what, what does an outward practice of Lent look like and you know as a young life person I'm constantly thinking about the kids who aren't around that whole thing the furthest out kid thing. So what does prayer look like for people who don't show up at church? So I started these tweetable, really short prayers, trying to create language that I, that I hoped that people who didn't like church, which was me about half the time anyways, mm-hmm. um, would actually resonate with. And it started clicking. And you know the deal. I mean, like you do some things and you kind of throw some paint at the wall and half the time it's like, that went okay. And some of the time you're like, that didn't go that well. And then maybe like a tenth of the time you, you do something you're like, oh, that really actually landed. Like, yeah. there we go. We actually found something that's really connecting. We've tapped in. And that was that thing. So every year for like three or four years, I post these prayers and folks would really, really resonate. And I wanted to galvanize that in a way. Like the internet is still – like there's a way in which the internet is written in ink, which is – like that's true. Like you do something online and it lives forever. There is also a way in which we don't take like formationally serious the stuff we do or read or practice online. If it's on my phone versus if it's in a book, there's still this – and maybe it's just a cultural thing and maybe it will pass and I don't know. But there's something about taking the same basic – stuff from a screen and putting it in a book that you have in your actual physical hands that changes the way we engage and think mm, about the thing. Mm, I don't know mm. all of why that is. I have my, my hunches, but mm. I wanted to move that into a book form. <clears throat> but I also know knew that from the standpoint of prayer and formation, if I'm going to connect with and help guide a group of people, a, a, a tribe of people who are disconnected, I need to find and, and like connect with elements of faith practice, of human psychology and spiritual practice mm. that we are honestly missing. And I knew that, again, really clearly as a pastor, I'm like, hey, what sucks about what we do? Our visuals are terrible. Oh, yeah. They're bad. And we don't have a great visual practice, et cetera. 
Meanwhile, Scott had become uh, a bit of a friend, and I'd seen his one-man show, We Are Not Troubled Guests. And on a little bit of a whim, I was connected to Scott through um, people at a conference called Jubilee up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And just it just felt right. And I said, I'm doing this thing. I'm wondering if you would be willing to spend some time pairing imagery to these prayers I'm writing. And he said yes, and we did a book, and now we've done another one. And that's the long story made medium. <laughs> long story made medium. Love that. Um, and, and I think that's super, it's really fascinating in reaching people who are unchurched for you know, a variety of reasons or just maybe reengaging people uh, into a practice that might have uh, lost its meaning or lost its kind of, uh, well, yeah. lo- lost that liveliness that it once had or maybe well, never and, had. And, even, and more so for me, it was a matter of like agreeing. Like, hey, part of why I'm not connected, because so, part of what we end up doing, and I don't, I don't know if you pay attention to Chrissy Stroop uh, on online, and, and she's not someone I, I like. I fully align with in, in, in the heart of her principles, but part of what she does is she she has this whole like you're not my you're not my mission field thing. Like, if you're someone who's not a Christian, um, you know, pay attention to the critique instead of just try to fix everything. Right. And so, like, right. listening to people who were who had disassociated from church culture and being like what what is it about that and instead of being like hey there's something wrong with your perspective and that's why you don't show up at church maybe there's something wrong with the way we're practicing church maybe there's something we're maybe we're just missing Hmm. with the way we practice church and that's part of why that's not happening so not even as a matter of like hey we need to go get these people so let's build something that goes and gets them Hmm. but maybe i can pay attention to this critique and i can become a better pastor if i listen to the voices of folks outside my culture who are saying hey here's why your culture sucks here's why i don't associate with it here's why i don't like it like oh Wow, not even just because I'm trying to fish for people, but just because I want to be better at what I do, I want to pay attention to that critique. Right. And so, like, uh, the language we use, I wanted to change. Mm-hmm. The uh, the use of our visuals, I wanted to change. So mm-hmm. it was also a formational practice for me to listen to the critique of those who are not associated with and not aligned with the faith community. Like, I can become better if I listen to and for the voice of God through the culture outside my own. Right, right. Um and I think we're finally starting to hit the kind of the curb or, or just kind of maybe even just tapping into the, 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 the range of human emotions. And I think that's something, uh, touching on the, the human psychology component that you, that you briefed on as well. Can you elaborate on the different, um, kind of when I, when you read through the book, I'm sure there's a lot of different types of emotions that are spawned through, uh, either the words, uh, or, or the picture itself. What are some of the emotions that you try and work with uh, throughout this book? Does that make sense? Um, I think so. I mean, the, in terms of the like in in my putting together of it, or what am I what am I hoping that people experience as they read it? Uh, what are you hoping people experience as they read it? Mostly um, a sense of freedom to. Um, freedom is not exactly the word like this sort of it's like a like a freedom a confidence it's like it's a self-recognition there's probably some great word like some pretty great mandarin word or japanese word for this where it's like there's a there's this kind of revelation of yourself where like oh that's that this is for me yeah. like the way yeah. you walk into a room and someone's like prepared a meal it's 
for you and it's not it it, it just it has yeah. this like oh yeah okay this is for me i can sit down here and be here mm. i want it to feel like that but like mm. you can you can be here this is actually this is actually for you so some of that comes from the prayers are short they're very short um and that allows room like i'm not spending two pages telling you what to think about this thing so that by the time you get to it you can either agree with me and sit down or not agree with me and sit down anyways <laughs> um yeah. Instead, here's here's this really short prayer that what I hope does is stir stuff that's inside of you. Because the premise of the book of, and of the project is <clears throat> the book is not content. What is happening in you in relationship to the divine, that's what content is. Mm. This book can maybe stir up and clarify, sometimes galvanize and encourage what's going on inside you, which is really the point. Mm. So hopefully what people experience is, hey, there really is a conversation in my soul, between me and the creator of all things. Mm. That God, who holds all things together, is speaking to me, and I can speak to God. Wow, that's kind of the, so there's an emotional component to that. I think it's more like a revelation, like a realization that like, Mm. yeah, there is something between me and God happening right now, and there has been. That's what I really want people Mm. to experience. Mm. Well, yeah, and I think it's it's super. I, I love how simple, um, but how I think how insightful some of the these short prayers can be, uh, and you're able to enter in really wherever you're coming from uh, by the use of the language. Uh, at least from your, I haven't obviously haven't read your your new uh, this this new book yet, but uh, kind of stemming from your uh, your your first book with Scott. Uh, of just how easy and accessible it is, and just to, to find that revelation, to find that connection to God um, that you uh, may may not have experienced before, uh, or or just kind of coming to new understanding um, of that connection as well. Yeah, um, man. Can you explain why you chose the Lord's Prayer as your centering piece for this particular book? Yeah, so for a couple reasons. Uh, One, the um, it has been for me um, an anchor point. Um, You know, my my mother, my my parents did not practice faith for the vast majority of my upbringing. Actually, for all my upbringing, really until I became an adult, Mm. uh, there really wasn't much in the way of faith practice in my household. My my dad was someone who I don't know what I don't honestly don't know what my father would have how he would have identified himself, but he just, he wasn't into the thing. Yeah. Um, kind of this like low grade critique that like religion was really for people who were weak or weak minded mm-hmm. or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. My mom who had grown up Catholic put, put her faith practice or Catholicism on the back burner. But the, like a lot of American religion, <laughs> like a lot of American religious life, like the artifacts of her faith practice were around. Yeah. Um, and so there was like a Bible in the house. Yeah. Um, which is not a critique of my mom so much as it is like sort of, sort of this metaphorical like <laughs> picture of how we tend to live. Yeah. Like, this is who I am because I've got the Bible in the house and we got the prayer on mm. the wall. Mm. Not that I read it and not that it's in me. Um, and so the Lord's prayer was like on the wall in, in our house and there was a Bible. And when I, when we picked up as a church, again, planting the church in 98, when we picked up, uh, spiritual practices and spiritual formation as a centerpiece to our church life, um, what we tried to move 
towards instead of moving away from like just kind of flashy cool teaching stuff and big loud songs we try to move towards like like what are the practices that honestly are formational so love that people can create their own language for prayer i think that's fantastic also really like that which i think happens quite a bit when i don't have words of my own um someone else provides some words for me not so that I would get those words right, but again, the way we're trying to do with the book, things that kind of provide a container for me to place my emotions, my thoughts, my feelings, mm. I can put that there, mm. or things that can stir up and clarify things that are happening to me. And I think that what Jesus does with the Lord's Prayer, with the prayer he gives to the disciples, because mm -hmm. they come to him as adults who have been around religion their whole freaking lives, and they're like, hey, so – can you teach us to pray? I mean, imagine the moment, right? It's right, like right, you're right. an adult man. Well, you probably don't have to imagine the moment. You probably, like we've all kind of been there. It's like you've been around the thing since you're a kid or for however many years. You're a pastor. You're, you've gone to school. And at some point you look around your life and you measure your communication with God with what's actually going on in your life. And you're like, I, I don't know how to do this. I actually don't. Hmm. So they go to him and they say, teach us to pray. Ultimately, teach us to pray the way you do. And he offers them this this prayer. I read it like scaffolding. I read it like, hey, ho, this is how – I don't think Jesus, every time he went and spoke to the Father, was like, okay, our Father who art in heaven, how man. I don't think that's how he did it. Mm -hmm. I think he was like, here, this is what it sounds like. Here, here's a model for how to pray. Hmm. Yep. And that from there, they could, again, kind of have places to, to place – and frame and practice what was already going on inside them. And so what I do with the book is I try to unpack why I think that is or how that has how I've experienced that that it begins with a recognition of parenting, of parenthood, of fatherliness from God, which is like that's the doorway I really want to come into this conversation with. And that before I get to asking for the stuff I want, which is most of the time why I go to prayer because I got stuff that I want. I go through the recognition of father uh, of his fatherhood. I go through the recognition that, that it's his will that needs to be done. I go through, I mean, like I go through all these phases right. before I get around to like, oh, also here's some stuff I want. Yeah. And I think again, I, that's that has more to do with formation. So if we're gonna do hmm. a, a book about prayer, that is a tool that helps to form people's practice. Let's look at the way Jesus did that and offer that and kind of unpack a little bit about what I think Jesus was up to when he did so. That's why we did the second book in the direction of the Lord's Prayer, mm -hmm. or as with the Lord's Prayer at the heart of it, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, thank you. And I, I just realized that uh, for, for listeners who haven't uh, tuned into the, pod, the, the podcast with Scott, they might not be very familiar of just kind of understanding what this book actually looks like. So it's hmm. 40... Uh, so it's 40 prayers, 40 days, and is it a line or two and then a yep. image, image on the side? Can you kind of walk through? Uh, do you start at the yeah, beginning? So where where yeah, do you start? Yeah, if you were to crack open the book, you, you'd pick up a copy of the book, which you totally should. If you pick up a copy of the book, you would uh, you'd open it up and you'd find usually one of kind of two things. Uh, one is on, on one side of the book, usually on the left-hand side, there is um, – there's a short prayer, something, you know, something that's relatively memorable. Um, again, not, not super elaborate. Um, mm -hmm. and, and paired with that on the opposing page, um, would be an image that is, uh, like another way to pray the, 
the same thing to the same to the same degree. So it's not like a like a visual representation of the prayer per se. It's like another language for the same kind of prayer. So like a, there's like a, as an example, one of the prayers from the first book is may my pursuit of happiness never come at the cost of someone else's freedom to do the same. That's the prayer. May my pursuit of happiness never come at the cost of someone else's freedom to do the same. That's that prayer, and if that's the one prayer for that day. That's it. Done. Mm-hmm. That's your prayer for this day. And I think that's, I think most of the time for a lot of us, that's enough, is the one prayer to hang out in mm-hmm. for the day. And paired with that uh, is this image that Scott drew of pairs of people stacked on one another and a crown resting at the top of this now kind of human ladder. This meditative icon type image that does what I think the prayer does at the same time in a different way, which is sit on this, meditate on it, think through it, hear what God is actually saying to you, not even necessarily in and through this prayer, but maybe this prayer unpacks what God is doing in you already. Do do the words attach themselves to something that's happening in you? How are you pursuing happiness? What's that look like? Are there people whose, you know, whose freedoms you're stepping on on the way to get to where you are going? Or is it the opposite where like you've given up so much in order to accommodate other people's freedoms that you're no longer pursuing happiness? Like how are, however this prayer gets to you, let that happen. So that's how the, the, the book is mostly that's – that's what the book is mostly made up of is these short prayers or these images. The only other thing you'll mostly find in the book is like with the Lord's Prayer, there will be like a page and a half. Of a, of a reflection it's not really a teaching it's more of a reflection hmm. of like what is it what does it look like for me to pray our father hmm. Hmm. like what does fatherliness in spiritual practice look like for me or when i pray about evil what do i think about hmm. how like how do i experience how have i experienced evil how have i experienced the relationship between what i need and what the world around me needs and so they're like these short reflections that hopefully Mm -hmm. kind of prod and stir what it looks like for you to have experienced evil what it looks like for you to experience god as father Mm -hmm. in the practice of prayer those Mm -hmm. are really that's it's a pretty simple setup with the book it's really just those things yeah no thank you and I, i think what i love about it is um I think for most books that I own, and I'm sure most people own, it's you get through the book and then you're done with it and you can stuff it you know, in your bookshelf or, or sell it to somebody else. But I think what's so special is that you're able to uh, to come back and just kind of, it's almost like a reference. It can it can be like a reference book as well where you're, where you're or not a reference book, but rather you're able to come back to it and it might yeah. mean something new to you when you kind of enter back in, um, which I think is, is really special. And add some kind of additional value or uh, just a new way of thinking about reading uh, and what, yep. what the intention of reading is, um, yeah. which I love. Can you, what's been, uh, I, I guess on the last book, um, maybe some feedback or a story that really uh, inspired you or really uh, moved you and, and it was, you know, it was encouraging and kind of the work that you've been doing. You mean overall or with the prayer book specifically? Um, with the prayer book specifically. So, um, got a message and this happens, this happens occasionally. Um, so if it's okay, if this this is like a really recent thing, um, I got a message from a person I don't know, um, living in, I, they were in Kansas or Missouri. Mm -hmm. Um, and she, um, she's someone who had worked as a pastor in a local church community. Things had kind of fallen apart. 
uh, she's been like a lot of us are, um, hoping, trying, praying through, thinking through what does it look like to lead? Um, cause she wants to lead. She's a leader. Mm. She wants to lead. She wants to teach. She wants to disciple. Mm. Um, and in the kind of the, the mess of not only the mess in, in the, like sort of the pieces of what she had you know, been in before, uh, she's picking up little bits and pieces and trying to create community, trying to create spaces to, to coach and pastor and lead, uh, folks. And, and she wrote that like in her, she said you know, in this practice or kind of in this phase of reinvention that the, um, that for her both personally in her prayer life, but also in the way she's leading other folks specifically because the people she wants to be working with are those folks we always talk about are like, you don't like going to church. You're not really connected. You know, the, the quote unquote French folks. She's like, that's all I really want to do. She's like, if other folks want to come along with me, that's great. But this needs to be more like legitimately evangelistic in the way I do it. She's like, like this, this prayer book uh, has been like personally formative and I can talk about prayer with anybody. Like she's like, I can sit down with people in like in any setting and we can look through and talk through one of these meditations, one of these Mm. prayers, one of these images. And there's an open door Mm. because of the way the language is because of the, you know, the orientation of the images. And so it was just like, I'm like, that's exactly, that's, that's exactly what I was hoping was that like, Hey, if you're someone who's like deeply, you know, um, deeply orthodox, there's space for you here in this book, like for sure, absolutely. And if you're someone who's like deeply orthodox but also wants to work with people who are not at all orthodox, who like have no theology, who aren't interested in theology, who don't know prayer, who don't even want to use the name Jesus, although it's the center of my life and I can't imagine going a day without like being connected to Jesus, there's a this is this can be a tool for you to connect with those people. Like I loved hearing that. It's this like orthodox like caring pastoral woman connecting with people who are not orthodox, who don't want church, who aren't sure about Jesus. And she's like, Mm. it's easy. It's fun. We're having a great time with it. I loved that. That was deeply encouraging. Wow. That's very profound. Um, I'm sure hearing those, just those snippets can really make your day, make your week, maybe even, you know, longer, longer durations of time as well. So that's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, just to wrap up, um, where can, where can people find you find the book, uh, and also just a word of encouragement, word of advice for listeners. Um, so my, my name is Justin McRoberts. If you look for me, I, I actually spend a good amount of time on Facebook and Instagram. I don't spend a whole lot of time on Twitter and that comes with a lot of, a lot. I, I like Twitter. I just, it's not my best format. My website is just justinmcroberts.com. Um, uh, and a word of encouragement to listeners. Mm. Um, the, uh, I honestly, legitimately, do believe God is uh, speaking. Um, I honestly do believe that you have the capacity to hear. Um, and if it's been silent um, or it's been confusing, I don't think that's because you're broken or because there's something wrong with you. I think it might just be a matter of the tools we're using. Um, I think it, like a matter it honestly might just be a matter of like those are the clothes you wore when you were a teenager and it's time to get different clothes or that's the way you threw a pitch when you were 24 uh, or that's how you played basketball when you were 18 but you're not 18 anymore you're 35 and you can't dribble like that anymore you can't push off like that your body changed your life changed 
So your practice needs to change, which means your game, your game needs to change. It doesn't mean that the game of basketball went away. It doesn't mean that fashion is out of fashion. It just means that like the format changed, the container changed, the style changed. Mm. You're not broken. Let's just change things up and figure out what works for you right now. Awesome. Uh, Justin, it's been a pleasure having you on today, hearing more about your, Absolutely. your journey Man, and your story. So thank you.